All right, our uh, kids can head back and be with our children's team and Transformation Station. So it was great to pray for them this morning. Uh, we're so grateful for Carrie and the great job uh, that she does leading our children's ministry on Sunday mornings, as well as uh, all of the workers that rotate week by week uh, to make uh, our, our experience for the children a really uh, great one uh, each and every Sunday. So uh, we pray that they have a great uh, time learning about God and uh, having fun together uh, in Transformation Station this morning. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms. We'll be in chapter 23 today. So if you're using one of the Bibles there in the rows that we provided for you, uh, that will be page 458 there of the Bibles in, uh, in the rows there. So as you open those Bibles, uh, I just want to invite us to pray one more time and ask that God would speak uh, to each of our hearts individually. Uh, so I want to give you a moment to do that, and then I'll pray for us uh, and ask God to really speak to us uh, as we open his word. Let's pray. Father, it is good for us just to have a moment of silence. Our lives are characterized by such noise, so many distractions through our week, even probably this morning. <laughs> we wake up, face a challenge here or there, and just become so easily distracted. So Father, we pray that you, as our good shepherd, would focus our hearts on you now, that we would really be tuned in, that your spirit would speak to us through your word, Lord, and that you would have your way, Lord. You, you are the good shepherd, and Lord, you shepherd us through your word, and so God, I pray that your spirit would take your word now and, and hit our hearts just where we need it this morning, uh, that we might draw close to you and that you might uh, change us that we might live to show uh, how great you are. Uh, God, we thank you that you're great, you're glorious, you're good, and you are gracious. And it's in the name of Christ we pray, amen. Well, I have uh, been watching some football uh, over the past uh, few weeks. It's playoffs time, and I'm sorry for bringing this up uh, Patriots fans, you know, it's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, so, 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 as, as I've been watching some of these football games, there's been one particular commercial that's really grabbed my attention. Maybe you've seen it uh, as you've been watching TV. It's show, it shows up, you know, beyond just the, the football, you know, game hour. But there's this commercial that's promoting Beats headphones by Dr. Dre, okay? And, and there's this commercial where the, the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, Colin Kaepernick, is walking into the opponent's stadium, and he has his Beats headphones on. You know what I'm talking about? So he's coming in to the opponent's stadium. He's listening to his headphones, and you have this picture of hundreds of the opposing fans yelling at him, trying to intimidate him as he's coming in to the stadium to do his thing and drop some touchdowns on 
Perhaps the Green Bay Packers. I don't know. It's just, it's really cold outside, so we'll throw the Packers in. Sorry, Dave. Dave's a Packers fan, but this is how it goes. Okay, so, so, so Mr. Kaepernick has these noise-canceling headphones so that he can stay really focused on the task at hand. But not only is the, the noise-canceling feature at work in the, 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 the moment, but he also has this song playing in the, his headphones, right? So the, these beats are coming in, and it's a new song by Aloe Black called The Man, all right? And in the, the, the tag of the line, the song goes something like this, you can tell everybody, go ahead and tell everybody, you can tell everybody, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man, you see that? It's like, uh, told you I got some vocals, Micah, you need some help. Uh, so, 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 so you get that? So, so not only is he drowning out all of the noise, but he's filled with incredible confidence that he has the ability to get the job done when he steps in between the lines on the football field. Now, this is what? A picture of confidence, right? The, the, the promoters, the marketers of Beats headphones not only want you to believe that if you buy their product, you're buying a great device, but they also want to portray an image that, hey, you're cool, you're filled with, with confidence, and, 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 and everyone will look at you with your headphones because you're so great. You're the, you're the man, right? And so let me ask you this morning, do you have confidence in your everyday life? If we're being honest, I think we all struggle to have the level of confidence that we would like to have on a day-to-day basis. So, so if, you, if you lack confidence, let me ask you why you lack confidence. If you're on the flip side of the equation, you say, you know what, typically I'm filled with a lot of confidence, then why are you filled with so much confidence? Here's a really cool part about God a cool truth about God. God desires for us to have confidence, all right? I'm very, I'm very confident of that this morning, okay? Psalm, Psalm 23, where we're going in the scripture this morning, is actually called a psalm of confidence. It's written to, to announce great confidence in God. So, so maybe you need confidence this morning. Maybe you need confidence in your life. And I want to post to us this morning that confidence should be given by, inspired by a clear picture of who God is. We need a picture of God, a holistic, a comprehensive picture of God to really live life as he intends and he intends for us to have confidence. So I want to invite you to behold who God is. That's why we've been in these four weeks G-series on the character and work of God, because we really want to understand what he desires for us in our lives. Isaiah 40 invites us to behold who God is. Listen to this, okay? Go up onto a high mountain. God speaking to Isaiah. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, 
O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Okay, so, so he's up on the mountain so everyone can hear, hey, this is what God is like. This is who God is. So who is God? Well, number one, God is great. Look at verse 10. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense is before him. So here we see the greatness of God, the strength of God, the rule of God. God has victory in all cases, in all circumstances. But not only that, the very next verse tells us that God is not only great, but God is also gracious. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So this is the picture we have of God. God is great and God is gracious. And I want to pose to you this morning that we need both. We need a God who is great, and we need a God who is gracious. So this G series started with the greatness of God in Psalm 145, and like bookends, we are going to look at the graciousness of God in Psalm 23 to keep this beautiful, holistic picture of God in its proper perspective. So if you would Look at Psalm 23, and to do something a little different, we never do this, but I want to invite you, if you're comfortable, stand just for a moment and read this text with me. It's such a familiar psalm that I think it will be easy for us to read together, okay? So I want to lead us and uh, read it with some excitement, okay, some, some passion, all right? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, thank you. Maybe have a seat. So this psalm here this morning, Psalm 23, such a familiar psalm, teaches us to place complete confidence in our shepherd God because he abounds with grace, all right? Place complete confidence in our shepherd God because he abounds with grace. These first four verses give us this famous picture of God as shepherd. And what I want to encourage us as we work our way through these four verses is to rest in the gracious leadership of our shepherd God. Did you, did you notice as we were reading those six verses that you have a real click, clear picture of God on the one hand, but you also have a clear picture of man on the other hand. So God is shepherd. We, David, the writer, is the sheep. We are the sheep. 
So what do we learn about God and what do we learn about man? Well, we see that there is a lot of activity on the part of God going on in this psalm, okay? So don't, don't miss the intentional language, okay? Look at all of this. God makes us not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is with us. His rod and staff, they comfort us. He is the one who prepares a table. He anoints our head with oil. He is the one who causes our cup to overflow, and it's his goodness and mercy that follows all the days of our life. Do you see the gracious activity of God? God is the one who is initiating. God is the one who is taking the first step. God is the one who is making all of this happen for us. We need the grace of God. But this grace is intensely personal. Notice David speaks in such personal language here. Most of the time when Israel in the Old Testament spoke of God, they spoke of God being our God. They spoke in a corporate sense, and this is most certainly true about God, that God is God over all of his people, okay? But God is not only God over all of his people, God is God over each of his people. So let's read it again, and we see the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me, there we go, beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is with me. His rod and staff comfort me. He prepares a table for me. My head is covered and anointed with oil. My cup overflows. God, goodness and mercy, follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So on the one hand, we have the gracious activity of God, but the gracious activity of God is intended for each one of his people. I mean, just let that truth like, just, just hit you square in the heart and just kind of cover you. Soak, soak up this truth in your heart this morning that God's love and care is for us, and it is for us in the most intimate and relational way. So what is it then that we learn about God's love and care for us as he is our shepherd? Well, I want to give you four ways that we see clearly in these four verses, okay? Number one, our shepherd God cares for us through his provision, all right? Verse one, this famous verse that starts the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, okay? So, so in other words, this is a declaration that says, because God is my shepherd, I will have what I need in life. Okay, so, so let me just make this really clear. God may not give us everything that we want. You know what I'm saying? New iPhone 5S, you know, this nice house. And, you know, so we have a lot of wants in life, right? But though he may not give us everything we want, he gives us everything we need. And what I love about God, I mean, if you, have you ever wanted to give a gift to someone 
but you lack the resources for that gift? I mean, surely that's all of us in the room, right? Well, we'll check this out. God never has that problem, all right? He, he has unlimited resources for his children. He gives us everything we need and then some, all right? This is, just, this is just who God is. So I love Psalm 34, 9 that says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. We lack nothing because God cares for us through his provision. Number two, our shepherd God cares for us through his guidance, all right? Look at this again. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So not only does God provide food and water and rest and all of these things that we need in life on a daily basis, but he also guides us through life. In fact, it's his guidance that brings us to those necessities that he provides. It says that he restores our soul. This is part of God's goodness to us, that, that he strengthens us when we're weak, when we're tired, when we're weary. He is the one who brings wholeness to our souls, vitality to us, to bring us back to, to, a, to a place of wholeness and flourishing. But then it goes on to say, he leads me in paths of righteousness. So God, it's, it's literally translated, he leads us in right paths. So he leads us in the way we should go. And these, these paths are righteous paths so that we will ultimately glorify God. Because when all is said and done, this is what life is about, right? It's about living life to his glory. It's for his name's sake. And so just as we think about this, this gracious God who guides us, let me ask you, where do you need guidance in your life? Do you have some kind of challenge coming up? You don't know exactly how to navigate through that challenge. Maybe you have a life decision coming up. And you know what? As a pastor, I'm, I'm constantly faced with questions. And hey, would you pray for me in this area? And I've got this big thing coming up and I don't know exactly what to do. You, you know what the, the number one image that I come to when I'm praying for people in that way? is God as shepherd. God is the good shepherd. I can have complete confidence in the character of God. And what I find myself praying for people in times where they need direction and guidance is, God, you are their good shepherd. And so would you lead them in paths of righteousness for your name's sake? Our shepherd God cares for us through his guidance, and he cares for us through his presence. Look at verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Last week out of Psalm 73, we looked at the, the presence of evil in our life. Asaph, if you remember, was wrestling with why the wicked prosper in life. And we concluded that because we live in a fallen world, we're going to experience a lot of evil in our world. It's unescapable. And so uh, the question comes, you know, not if we're going to, to face evil in our lives, but, but what happens when we face that evil? 
What happens when we are daily threatened by the possibility of bad things happening to us, whether, even though we may be walking with God? I had a friend this week that, that said something very insightful, and I think it's true for me too. He said, you know what? I don't think there's ever been a day in my life where I haven't had some measure of the fear of evil. I mean, what do you, what do you fear in your life? Do you fear financial collapse? Financial instability in your home, in your family, in your life? What about a, a terrible diagnosis? Having some tests done, don't know what's gonna, how it's going to turn out. Do you, do you fear some kind of horrific diagnosis? What about rejection? You're putting an idea out there. You're putting yourself out there. Man, will I be accepted or will these people reject me and shun me? Maybe some of you fear death. Maybe some of you think about an early death. We all have fears that can plague our hearts and debilitate our lives. And so what happens then with these fears? What do we do with these fears? David takes his fear to God. And he says, God, because you are with me, I will not fear. I mean, I mean we talk about this a lot as Christians, and we kind of know it's like even the Christian life is, is summed up in the word walk, right? It's a, it's a picture of the Christian life. And so we know that Jesus walks with us. His spirit is in us. And yet it's easy for us just to kind of bypass that. I mean, God is with us. He is with his people. He, he walks with us every single day. And so because God is with us, we have no reason to fear. There is an inverse relationship between our fear of evil and our awareness of the presence of God. Do you see that happening in verse 4? So as you are aware of the presence of God in your life, then that awareness of his presence will push out the fear that tends to plague you. And so take your fears to God. Let him deal with them. God's presence is our peace. 1 John 4, 18 says this, there is no fear in love because perfect love, it casts out fear. So because God loves us so much, because God provides for us so readily, because God guides us so graciously, we have absolutely no reason to fear because the God who made the world and rules over everything is God over us. Finally, our shepherd God cares for us through his protection. Verse four ends by saying, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So a shepherd, we, we sometimes have this picture of shepherd as this kind of gentle little person, okay, who, who caresses the sheep, you know, and is constantly like petting the sheep. And I don't know if you've ever seen Oppression's Moments Bibles, but this is the picture that's put forth in those Bibles where it's like, you know, God is so tender and Jesus is so tender as our shepherd. And yes, that's true. We just read that. But let me also say that the shepherd had to have a lot of courage, you know what I'm saying? Because when he was out in the field with his flock, 
There were wild animals, wolves that didn't really care about the shepherd because they were kind of hungry, you know what I'm saying? So the shepherd would take his rod to beat the animals away from his sheep. And this is what God does for us as his children. He protects us. And let me give you a full picture here. God protects us from that which assails us on the outside, okay? So this is why we pray, lead us not into temptation. So there are constant pressures, circumstances, situations that come into our life that we need God's protection to, to keep us from those things. But then not only that, he also protects us from that which assails us on the inside. Because my biggest problem, and I hope you understand that your biggest problem is not evil that assails you from the outside, it's the evil desires that you hold on the inside. And so God in his grace, with his shepherd's staff, will pull us back into himself when we deviate from his plan. It's called discipline, okay? God disciplines those whom he loves. And he actually delights in it because he knows it's for our good. Every parent, is there any parent in the room who just lets their child do whatever they want? You know, we just built a bunk bed. I, I built a bunk bed for my daughters, okay, last night, all right? Lord, keep me humble. I have grown a lot in my, you know, construction skills. So I should, you know, sorry, that was, see, I'm evil within me. So, um, so, so I just built it, like, Parker gets up on the top bunk and, and you know, it's like, Hey, have a great time. You know, we're just going to leave you there for a couple weeks. I mean, no, we're like, we're, we're watching her. We're telling her to, to not lean too far over the rail. And we're like, don't come down the ladder without us watching, you know. It's like, because, because we're trying to protect her, right? But the greatest protection that we need is the protection of God to, to save us from ourselves, to, to cleanse away the evil that is found within our hearts, and so God, with his rod of protection, keeps us from what, that which assails us on the outside, but he also disciplines with his shepherd's staff. The crook of, of, of the staff would pull sheep out of danger and keep them on the right path. So God's care, hopefully you can see from these four verses, God's care abounds for his children. And what I love about, about God is, think, think about this, okay? When someone... When someone has maybe a prayer need in their life, you know, or I just want to know what's going on with someone, usually my approach, okay, just because I'm limited in, in my ability to remember a thousand things or to even pray for a thousand things, usually what I'm going to do is I'm going to come up to you, I'm going to shoot you an email, I'm going to catch you on Facebook, and I'm just going to say, hey, what's one or two ways I can be praying for you right now in your life? Just, just give me, like, what's the top request that you would have in your life that I can pray for you. So that, that kind of makes it simple and helps me focus. But, but, but once again, God never has this issue, okay? God keeps up with all of our needs, and he does so simultaneously. It's amazing the, the, the amount, the, the force of God's love and care for his children. Our shepherd God loves us. He provides, guides, protects, and is with us as his children. 
And so as John read for us in John 10, if we want to know what God is like, we just need to look at Jesus and the Gospels. I hope you understand that. This is really good Christology, okay? A fancy word uh, for saying the study of the person and work of Christ, okay? If you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus. Because Jesus would say in John 10, 30, I and the Father, we are one, okay? Same essence, same nature. When you're looking at me, you're seeing the character of God. He would tell Philip in John 14, 9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, and John starts his gospel in John 1.18. He says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So in other words, Jesus comes into the world to make the Father known, to explain who God is. So that's why we're not surprised then. In John 10, when Jesus is speaking to the people gathered around him, and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So do you know Jesus as your good shepherd? Have you been brought back into a right relationship with God through Christ? Now, and because of that, now you experience all of these blessings that God desires to give his sheep. The Bible is crystal clear. Okay, don't, don't miss this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So in other words, we're all like sheep. Sheep are not the most brilliant animals, by the way, okay? They're, they're like the kind of lowest on the animal IQ charts, all right? So, so we are like sheep, okay? We're kind of Stupid. Um, and so what we do is we go our own way, away from God's way, and we say, you know what, God, I've got this under control. I'll be God over my own life, and I'm going to do my own thing. Well, this going our own way leads us to being lost apart from God, and it will lead ultimately not just to physical death one day, but it is leading us now to spiritual death. A, a relationship with God that has been severed because of our sin, because of our desire to go our own way. But now here's the gospel. Jesus was the lamb, the perfect lamb who was slain. And by his blood, he redeems us back to God so that if we would look to him and trust in him, our relationship with our good shepherd can be restored. And God wants this to happen so badly that Luke 15 says that if a shepherd has 100 sheep, that he will gladly go leave 99 sheep if there is just one sheep that is lost. And this is the heart of God for everyone on the planet. And so if you are here this morning, and maybe you're the one sheep, Maybe you've never come back into a right relationship with God through Christ. And you would just say, you know what, man, I need God in my life. I need his guidance, I need his protection, I need his presence, I need his, his um, whatever that fourth one was. You know what I'm saying? All that blessing. And you would just say, man, God, I trust in Christ. What he has done for me. I want to invite you to trust in Christ today. Turn from going your own way and turn back to him and go his way with your life. 
Thankfully, that's not all we see in the psalm. The first four verses talk about God as shepherd, but the last two verses give this picture, this imagery of a host inviting someone over for dinner. Look at verses five and six. It says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So here we see that we can receive the gracious invitation to sit at the table of God. We learn more about the gracious God from this picture that we have in verses five and six. And I wanna just give you three simple truths about the grace of God, okay, you ready? Number one, his grace is undeserved. All right, so we see God making all these moves. He leads, he restores, he, he makes me, he, his rod and staff. Uh, so, so where do we see that in verses five and six, okay? There is more to God's grace in this picture than just that obvious activity, all right? And, and here it is. This is the table of God. So the question becomes, what on earth are any of us doing at his table? We don't deserve to sit down at the table of God that he has prepared for us. And this should absolutely astound us. Like if, if we're not amazed by God's grace, then we probably don't understand the strength of his grace. Because we are like this character in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 9. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was a young man who belonged to the, to the house of King Saul. King Saul was King David, the one who wrote this song. He was, he was his predecessor, and he was also his notorious enemy. He tried to take David's life numerous times. And so you would assume that once David ascends the throne, that he is cutting off everyone in Saul's house, right? It's like, man, if you belong to Saul's house, you better be watching your back because you might be taken out because there's a new regime that runs the show. But in 2 Samuel chapter 9, David says, is there anyone of the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God to for the sake of Jonathan, his servant? Jonathan was David's best friend. So his servants tell him, you need to go talk to Ziba. And, and he knows Mephibosheth, who is Jonathan's son, related to King Saul. And so the, the narrative flows, and it ends in verses 11 through 13, and it says, Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king, king's table. Now he was lame in both of his feet. So not only does Mephibosheth not belong there because he's David's enemy or should be his enemy, 
but he also is lame in both feet. Someone who was lame in that culture, probably like some of our culture today, would have been ostracized, would have been outcast by most people, but not David, and consequently, not God. Today, if you do not feel that you are Mephibosheth, an enemy of God who does not belong at his table, and someone who is so lame in both feet that you have neither the capacity or the desire to be at that table, then you do not understand the character of God and his grace or your state apart from his grace. But this is what happens. God loves us so much. He is so gracious that he invites his enemies to become friends and those who can't walk to have strength again to live life in the ways that he desires for us. So if this doesn't inspire a little confidence, I really don't know what would. We sit, at, if you are in Christ today, you sit at the table of God. You are in his presence. You are loved. You have complete security because God is for you. And you have this Open invitation. You always sit at the table of God. And isn't this so backwards? I mean, why is it that God is inviting us to his table? He is the one who is serving us. He anoints our head with oil, a gesture of hospitality. He prepares the table for us. I mean, we should be preparing the table for him. And God, in his grace, invites us, completely undeserved, to sit at his table. Not only that, his grace overflows. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Like, just kind of chuckled, right? It's like every day. <laughs> like kind of overwhelmed every day, Tanner, you know? Like, what, what world do you live in? So, you know, your schedule, you're just, you have so much on your plate, you can't keep up. Perhaps you're overwhelmed by a situation in your life. You don't know what to do. Maybe it's not your, your schedule or your situation. Maybe it's like what we talked about, your sin. You're just overwhelmed with the, an understanding of your sin and how your sin disrupts your fellowship or separates you from God if you're not in Christ. And so we just, we just can be so easily overwhelmed. Here's the antidote to being overwhelmed. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So if you're overwhelmed today, could you just memorize these three words? My cup overflows. Your cup overflows. If you know God, your cup is overflowing. Have you ever been in a conversation in a restaurant where you're going to, I love these new fountain drink machines like Five Guys has them, a couple others like Chipotle's maybe coming up with these cool new machines. You get to choose, like you want lemonade and then you get another like seven options, you know what I'm saying? You get strawberry, raspberries, like all this. Even if you're using one of the old school machines, okay, where you have the different, you know, fountains there. Have you ever just been in conversation, you're getting your drink? You're talking to your friend, just kind of, you know, you're in the zone, and then all of a sudden you feel this soda running down on your hand. You know what I'm saying? You ever done that? That's what I thought. So, so this is a picture of, of what God 
is, is doing in our life, pouring out blessing on us. It's like never stops. It's an overflowing. It's running over constantly the blessing that he provides for us as his children. Another image is like a waterfall. I mean, I'm not stopping a waterfall. If I'm standing under the waterfall, it's just pouring over us. So even when you're overwhelmed and you don't feel like your cup overflows, positionally, your cup overflows if you are one of his sheep. Guidance, protection, provision, presence. It's all yours if you are in Christ. Just go read Ephesians 1. All of that is yours. Redeemed, forgiven, adopted, chosen, loved. It's all yours. But not only that, we want to really look into our hearts and ask the question, hey, this is true for me positionally, but do I experience it regularly, practically? So in other words, are you walking in close, such close relationship with your shepherd that you are experiencing this overflow that should be coming into your life day by day by day? It's there for you. I mean, I'm not stopping you from experiencing the overflow. You know what I'm saying? Who, who can stop you? That's what I thought. Okay. Our last verse really sums up the whole psalm. I love this one. Surely goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So not only is grace is undeserved, it also overflows. And then finally, God's grace pursues us, all right? F follow me here. We think we have to pursue God, and we do, all right? We, we, we hopefully established that last week. Psalm 73, God is good, and we should pursue him, right, as our greatest pursuit. But the more you get to know God, what you realize is that even in your pursuit of him, he has been pursuing you all along. And it never, ever stops. He says, goodness and mercy, follow me all the days of my life. Every single day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like every day. So we get this picture of, of goodness and mercy. You just look over your shoulder and there it is. It's tracking us down. It's pursuing us. It's following us as we live our lives for him. In seminary, my first year of seminary in, in Louisville, Kentucky, I had uh, uh, the privilege of, of going to Southern Seminary for a year. And uh, we would, uh, actually after chapel, we would go and we would play ping pong, okay? So I wasn't a very good ping pong player, but just like with the bump beds, I got a little bit better, you know, as the, as the year went on. And, uh, and sometimes there was this custodian who would come in. His name was Bobby. All right? And Bobby was actually a bad man when it came to the ping pong table, okay? He's like, you know, I don't know what country he really grew up in, but he could play some, some ping pong, you know what I'm saying? So, so the thing I loved about Bobby, the thing I'll never forget about Bobby is that when you ask Bobby how he was doing, he had one answer, just one. Hey, brother, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was how Bobby was doing. That was his one answer. Seemed two weeks from now. Bobby, what's up, man? How you, how's it going? Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
What happens when we take that attitude? God's goodness and mercy are for us. They are pursuing us. They are following us. They are tracking us down day by day so that we can experience God in this kind of way every single day and live our lives in his presence, in the house of the Lord, dwelling with him so that we can worship him forever. Because when we get that, I mean, here's, here's the moral of the psalm. Here's the moral of the Bible. Here's the moral of the Christian life. When we understand the love and care of God, it revolutionizes everything about us. Have you ever read Ephesians and wondered why Paul is like praying, hey, God, would you show them, would you give them power to know the height, width, depth, and length of your love. I mean, it should be evident, right? I used to read that. It's like, come on, Paul, you don't have to pray for me. I mean, I understand the cross, and I'm in this thing, and I know God loves me. And now I'm just understanding. I don't really understand how God loves me. You understand? It's so deep. It's so high. It's so wide. When we understand how much God loves us, then it revolutionizes our love for him in return, and our love for one another. So the invitation from the song is to know God and allow this knowledge of God, the greatness of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God, the graciousness of God, to hit our souls and flow through our lives in every single way so that we will live to show how great he is. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would empower us by your grace, that we might live to show your greatness. We pray this in Jesus' name.